Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. We are finally back and we are live. It is Fight IQ presented by Rotowire MMA. And we are here for UFC Moncton, breaking down all things for DFS and DraftKings. Going to get back into some DFS MMA after a long break. I am your host, the Daily Fantasy Sniper, so happy to be back for this appetizer. I don't hate this card like um, some people. It's fine for a fight night. Sean. Sean. Freezes up. But it is podcast. Chris Olson. Hi, Chris, how you doing? I'm good. Uh, we're glad to have you back. You froze there you for a second. You froze up for a minute there, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm good. I um. This card, it's I don't hate this card. It's kind of a pain because a lot of the favorites, and we'll get into it, and even some of the favorites I like, it's like, well, I, I like this fight and they should win, but do I really want to pay this much money or in, in in lines lay this much price? So, you know, we'll, we'll have some interesting discussion, I think. That's for sure. Yes, you do want to pay 6900 for Patrick Cummins, but we will get there. Joe, I know you're excited for, for, for UFC 230 just like I am, but yes. how are you feeling about UFC Moncton? Well, you know, for those of you that that don't follow me on Twitter, uh, Twitter, I have a theory. Twitter, I have a theory that Dana White, you know, Mick Maynard, and Sean Shelby were sitting around smoking a J and eating some White Castles, and they all started getting giddy, and they said, "Let's spin the globe and let Dana put his finger on the globe, and wherever his finger lands, that's where we'll hold the next UFC event." Moncton, like, where in the hell is Moncton? So hey, I'm a little on Mountain are pretty upset right now. I'm a little upset. I'm a little upset that we had to wait three weeks for this card. Um, but you know, as is such the demand right now that we've all, we've all like gone we've gone back to our our normal lives for the last three weeks, and now we're back in uh, UFC mode through the end of the year. So I'm happy about that. I picked up my second queue in the last card, although it was pretty uneventful. Other than that, did not get a share of the big money. That was our, our good friend, uh, B.D. Holler, and uh, A.E. Jones kills me. That guy hardly ever plays, and he steps in and takes down half the half the, the, the biggie last last card. But anyway, let's let's move it. Yep, so you know, I was going to jump in there, but you know, let's just move on. It's, it's, the podcast is brought to you, as I mentioned, by Rotowire. Go to rotowire.com slash free 10-day Free trial, no credit card required to all their usually paid content, season-long 
NFL, all sports, daily fantasy, optimizers, all the good stuff. Check it out over there at Rotowire. Quick plug for us, even though he won't admit it, never will. You will, you probably should follow Joe on Twitter at Sun Tzu. Chris is at Real Quick Chris Olson. I am at the DFS Sniper with one S. Let's dig in. Stevie Ray, eighty three hundred, taking on Yesen Ayari at seventy nine hundred. Uh, the odds on this fight: Stevie Ray is the favorite at minus one fifty five. Yesen Ayari plus one thirty five. A fight that I think is interesting to break down from a betting perspective, but I think we're starting off tonight. Oh, there he goes. Oh, there he goes again. Giant... <laughs> you just froze up again, dude. Did I? <laughs> yeah. You're, you said big giant. Oh, now you're frozen again. All right. Uh... Now you're back. You're back. Okay. Should I? T- I'm, I'm, I kicked it over. I, I, I kicked it over to Chris, but we got all kinds of problems. So let's just, I'll set that up one more time. And okay, there's a little, a, a little, you know, overlap. I apologize. Stevie Ray, 83, Hessen Ayari, 7,900. Stevie Ray is the favorite, minus 155. The comeback on Ayari is plus 135. Interesting fight in my mind from a betting perspective, but we're starting the car with a big giant DFS turd. And with that, I kicked it over to Chris. Ah, yes. I was wondering what you said, and uh, I couldn't agree more. No, um, I, I, uh, I agree that this fight isn't much for DFS. I guess... Uh, this is this is one of the favorites, I guess, that I like that I don't really like. I guess I'm I'm taking Stevie Ray here. Um, Ayari is just way too wide open. Uh, um, you know, Darren Till was hammering him with counter left hands basically all fight. Uh, Jim Wallhead was hitting him with hard shots. He he just leaves himself so wide open that um, it's hard to imagine that a technical boxer like Stevie Ray isn't going to find his shots in there. Uh, Ray's also strong in the clinch, and he is a wrestler, but um, anyone who, who's tried to out-wrestle him recently has succeeded. Uh, Cajun Johnson, uh, Joe Lozon, but Joe Lozon couldn't sub him even after hammering him for about a round, and that's pretty much uh, Ayari's best path to victory, so I feel pretty good about that. Um, I think um, Stevie Ray could hit him with something hard here to change the course of the fight, and maybe a finish, but that might be too idealistic. So I'm just going to go uh, Ray by decision. Joe, how about for you? Okay, so let's talk narrative. 517 days since Ayari uh, fought Darren Till. Um, rumor has it he uh, got married, second cousin to Claudia Schiffer. Um, he is, uh, you know, his inactivity, the fact that he's dropping a weight class, now, let's talk Stevie Ray. Stevie Ray is how the mighty have fallen. Five and one in the UFC, now coming off of two straight losses. Um, he, has do- he has done this camp at TriStar, which I like. He knows that his back is up against the wall. Um, he knows that he needs to win, and he needs to win relatively impressively. Um, you know, he could theoretically be cut coming off three losses. I mean, you could be cut in the UFC coming off two losses. Um, I think that's a provision in most contracts. Um, so he definitely has his back up against the wall. Um, and for that reason, I am picking Stevie Ray. Yeah, I just want to, from a DFS perspective, I don't think this will be high volume. I like Ayari on the break, growing a little bit, younger fighter, um, and he's going to be a little bigger. I like him to edge a decision, but it's not a fight I'm really interested in for DFS. Moving on, Aryan Buller, eighty eight hundred, or I should I should say Aryan. I got Oma plotted by Adam Wojarek <laughs> Buller taking on Marcelo Gome at seventy four hundred. I think we're getting starting to get a little bit of odds value here on Gome. He's plus one thirty. Buller's the favorite at minus one forty. Odds value on heavyweights probably better for GPP than tournaments. Um, Gome, though, to me, what stands out is how he looked in the grappling exchanges against Tim Johnson. Whereas Bueller, you know, just covered it. He's not a very exciting fi- fighter. If he can, if he could get better ground and pound off, it'd be a whole different story with the wrestling he does have. Um, but a really interesting fight, especially in GPPs. Joe, how do you have this one? Okay, so Bueller, Bueller, um, there you go. Canadian wrestler. That's what we have to keep into take into context here. Canadian Olympic wrestler. 
That's like being on the Jamaican bobsled team. Was okay. he an Olympic wrestler? I thought he was Commonwealth Games. No, I Canada though. I mean, look, if he was if he was either playing hockey or curling, I'd give this guy a lot of props, right? But he is a Canadian Olympic wrestler with no other skill set to MMA. Okay, now I'm not saying that Gohm is a world beater, but he's got some stand up. He's a more complete fighter. Um, he's a relatively young guy. Um, I 7.4K, yes, I'll take it. Gohm. Chris? I like Gohm too, but now I feel compelled to uh, defend Buller a little bit from that onslaught there. Um, he, you know, he's got quick hands. Um, he quick uses good hands. head movement. The problem is... The problem hands is, are terrible. Uh, compared to what? Quick hands compared to who? Me. <laughs> Chucky on the Mayans? I mean, come on, really? Quick hands? I don't know. Oh, is that the TV show? Yeah. No, he's got, he's got good... <laughs> look, he's got good, decent, fundamental boxing. But the problem is, as... as I don't... Okay. I, but the problem is, as Sean said... <laughs> that um, you can't even make a case for this guy with a straight face. Come on, no, because you're cracking up. I don't really understand what do you do. You really do you really see something in, in Bueller's boxing? You because see something boxing, in his stand up. Golm has the stand up. Bueller's yeah. got the wrestling and nothing else in my mind. I I think I think he uses good trunk movement. I think he doesn't have much in terms of striking. He he just throws that overhand. But as far as like, is he pretty quick for a heavyweight? Yeah, he's pretty quick for a heavyweight. Now, if I can get to my analysis, please. Um, the problem, as Sean alluded to, is, you know, he doesn't have much ground and pound. He likes to sit in half guard when he gets takedowns. The problem isn't his wrestling. His wrestling is fine. It's what he does with it, which is which is pretty much nothing. Um, and also, as Sean said, we saw uh, very good things from him in the Timothy Johnson fight. This was a guy in Golm who previously had never been out of the first round. And then he had a big dude hanging on him for three rounds. He didn't look tired. Um, he even, after the first round, uh, ended up hurting uh, Tim Johnson with a head kick. Uh, as far as kicking goes, that inside leg kick that he hurt Tim Johnson with, Buller gets hurt with those two. Um, Gohm's going to be the way more athletic guy. And as we've seen, he's not great on the ground. Jiu-Jitsu, to put it mildly, so yeah, I'm, I'm going Golem too, but uh, I just I just had to, had to do a little bit of uh, you know sticking up for my man Buller there, but I am taking Golem for the win here. Buller, Buller. I, I I gotta I gotta dip into our chat by the way. If you're listening to this to the RotoWire MMA um, stream on iTunes after the fact, we do these live on Friday nights. You should check us out on YouTube. We have a fun chat in there. A couple guys in there already. Uh, somebody, uh, who who was it? Uh, Tyler Lee. He's, Joe usually does creating alpha. I don't know if he's doing it this week. I would assume not. Yeah, but, no alpha this week. But he's pointing out that nobody gave you shit for your facial hair, and you always get on people for their facial hair. Do, really? Yeah. I mean, do I? No, I, I get I get on people. Do I get on people for that? Yeah, I guess I do. Mostly Buddha. Well, yeah. me. But, I mean, I, I come on here looking like Survivor Man sometimes, so I understand. I was just too lazy to shave. That's what happened, though. So I'll, I'll, I'll tune it up. All right, moving on. Hey, Edwards, 9,400, taking on Don Madge, 6,800. Edwards is the large favorite, the line, live line, look here on Friday night, minus 450, Don Madge plus 400. If you could find tape on Don Madge, go ahead and send them my way because I have a bunch of highlight videos. Um, I will give a shout out to somebody in the MMA breakdown YouTube community in Will Martin. Um, He's the only person I've listened to that could recall any of, of Madge's fights. I haven't listened to all my podcasts yet, but he made it sound like in a couple of Madge's fights, he'd seen him quit before. And in some of the highlights I've seen, striking isn't that good, whereas I know what Edwards is. I love the Muay Thai there. Whenever I hear somebody quitting, it's not so much the technical breakdown, which, you know, not that I don't respect Will and other people's opinions, but I, I like to look at that myself. But when you hear people are quitting in cages, like turning away from referees, calling timeout, that kind of stuff, that's beyond red flags. I don't need to see technique. I was already leaning Edwards, and now I have a really strong lean on Hey Edwards. The, the DraftKings prices, by the way, I think I did read them out, is 9400 and 6800 So the question is, can you afford Edwards, and do you need him? So for this fight, we're back to starting with Chris. Take it away. Yeah, um, 
I, I would just like to say that um, there isn't a lot of full tape on uh, on uh, Madge's recent fights. There, you can find uh, his last fight against uh, Dave Mazzani in parts. So you can find part one and, and part two on YouTube. Um, he, he's a Muay Thai striker. He got good kicks. He, um, well, for, first let me say that uh, I think that that fight that he's referring to would be the first fight against the gentleman he, that he's lost two, three times, whose name I have forgotten. But um, that fight was an absolute war, actually. If if you don't haven't seen it, I, I suggest you go look for it. Um, he took a really clean right hand in the third round of a war and was kind of out on his feet. So I think it's a little bit uh, unfair to say that he quit in that fight, if that's what he's referring to, but it sounds like it is. But in any event, um, so as I was saying, I think he has good kicks. Uh, my problem with him is um, he's, he's a tough guy, I think, actually. My problem is that he has a little bit of Joe Lozon syndrome, by which I mean um, to cover with strikes, he kind of just shells up and waits for you to finish and then tries to fire back. He's gotten a little better with the defense lately, but um, I, not 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 uh, as good as I'd like to see. And, uh, you know, Edwards is just sort of a wild striker. Uh, you might not know it by looking at his fights because he finishes everybody by strikes in one round, but he's actually coming from a wrestling base here. He wrestled at uh, Arizona State and uh, Old Dominion, I believe. So, um, but he's one of those wrestlers that likes to strike. We see him a lot in MMA. He's got he's got big power, and he's very sloppy. Uh, Mage could find a counter for him, but I just think that the way he stands in front as the Muay Thai striker and sort of shells up to block, and I think he's by far the hardest puncher that Madge has ever faced from what I've seen. I think eventually he's going to catch him and knock him out. Joe? Okay, narrative. We've got Edwards, D1 wrestler. MMA Lab, 24-second finish on the Dana White Contender Series. God, I hate MMA Lab. Hate against, against a guy who is a South African fighter. So well, what are we talking here? Garrett McClellan 2.0? Oh, Ruin Fox 2.0? Lost to the same guy three times. Joe, do you have to listen to the um, Loud Math MMA podcast? It may have not come out quite yet. One? The podcast I do with Kyle Steele, Loud Mouth. Oh, no, not yet, not yet. I got him rolling on the South African Gareth McClellan for a second. I'm telling you, the soldier boy. So what what do we got here? We got a guy who lost to the same fighter three times, comes out of South Africa, has some fame in in places like Thailand where he's he's fought Muay Thai. But please, come on. I mean, you know, I don't understand this matchmaking. Um, Give me Edwards all day, every day. Um, You know, I just hope that he does rely on his wrestling a little bit more would be a shame to let a d1 wrestling pedigree go against uh south african striker uh ruin pots 2.0 so give me madge give me madge give me give me give me give me edwards whoa that was, that was like give me madge after this long rant uh, I, was, I wanted to see if everybody was awake holy crap that scared me yeah Sarah morris 8700 taking on talita bernardo at 7500 the odds on this fight. Let's see if they've closed because minus 155 for Morris, plus 145 for Talita Bernardo. Bernardo's had two tough fights to start her UFC career Irene Aldana and, um, oh God, Marion Renault, I think it was. Yeah, Marion Renault finished her, right? The, the fight where she just totally gassed out. Mm-hmm. She's looked okay in parts of those fights. She's a good grappler. This fight. I'll let you guys do the more in-depth analysis for DraftKings, but for me, I'm simplifying it in that, to me, Sarah Morris, when I watch her fight, she's only dangerous with her grappling. That's what Talitha Bernardo is the best at. This, they, There's no striking anywhere here, and I think Bernardo is the better grappler, so I instinctively gravitate right towards the favorite or right towards the underdog here, especially at that price tag where she's, you know, for cash games, she's still scoring 20, 20 to 30 points in losses. Is Sarah Morris really going to catch an arm bar in her via Ashley Evans-Smith? I have a hard time seeing that. Joe, what do you have for this guy? So first of all, I should say one of the things that I really like about MMA is that it's not politically incorrect to state that a woman spends a lot of time on her back. Okay. And that is uh, Sarah Morris. Okay. She has got a horrific takedown defense. I believe 14%, maybe 16%. Okay. Now there is some some narrative here. Um, She... Moved to Las Vegas, training at Extreme Couture, taking advantage of the PI. You know, Misha Tate pops in and out. Um, you know, it's she looks a lot better than she's looked in the past. Like, 
if you look at that UFC profile photo, we're like, oh, shit. Um, also, she's got the best nickname um, in female martial arts. Who doesn't like cheesecake? Anyway, so then we got Bernardo. Lost her first two fights in the UFC. Um, yes, tough competitors. Renault is tough even at 40. Aldana looked like a featherweight when she fought her. I, I remember commenting on that, how big she was and enormous. huge Aldana looked in that fight. So unless Maras gets an early finish, I don't like her that much on DK. Now, there is a chance that that could happen, but if it doesn't, this could be a low-scoring, boring-ass fight. Maybe you have a few shares of Bernardo. I, I don't know what the field is going to be, but I'm likely going to be underweight to this fight as a whole. See, I like. I think there's going to be grappling in this fight. I think there'll be transitions, maybe a reversal or two, and I, I, I like Bernardo's top game. But that's me, Chris. Well, Joe, who, who are you picking to win the fight? Oh, I'm going to pick Mar. I'm going to, by default almost, because of some of the narrative that I like, I'm going to pick Maras to win. All right, break the tie, Chris. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, all your concerns about uh, Maras are, are warranted, I think, there, uh, Sean, but... There's just nothing about Bernardo that I actually like when I watch her fight. Um, you don't like her relentless grappling and her and her ability to find. What's relentless about top. it? She wrestles from her knees. She 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 hasn't. She always finds a way to be end up on top, even against Aldana, who is a featherweight size. You have to like yeah, her ability was, to land on top. She was on top, and she was on top of uh, Renault, and she kept she kept getting her neck stuck in triangles and kept trying to have to fight out of them. I, I just don't I just don't see it. I, I think that um, her, both of them aren't good strikers, but Moretz is more aggressive, and I think that might be enough on the feet. Uh, Bernardo's uh, striking is basically just let yourself get walked down, stay in the corner, and once every five or ten seconds, throw a big overhand counter. And uh, I don't think that's going to be enough. As far as the wrestling goes, as I said, Bernardo wrestles from her knees. She literally gets on her knees to wrestle. She gasses out. Terribly, that there was a literally a, a point in that, and uh, I think in the third round of that uh, of the fight with uh, Renault, where she was on a single leg, and Renault was able to just stand up and put her leg down and sit on her back and take her back that way because she just didn't move, exhausted. Yeah, that's, I, that's I, how I, tired she was. I, I think you are really overestimating Mariah's ability to stop even in a shot from the knees. But even, but even if she can't, uh, she's going to be extremely active from her guard, and we've seen Bernardo already have problems with an active guard. So I, I, I just, I just don't see. Thank you, show. So I just I don't. So I, I just, I really don't see where her major advantage is. Like maybe like uh, on on mat jujitsu, she has a big advantage, but we haven't seen any like great jujitsu from her in the octagon. So. I, so, I so you guys are going to let me have Bernardo by submission as my hot take? That, that would that oh. would be that's burning my fingers right now. Just all you, yeah. Rear, rear naked choke round number one. So you're picking Maras, right? I am picking Maras emphatically. Good. I think oh, it's time to move on. Yeah, let's 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 move on. Calvin Cater, ninety one hundred, taking on Chris. I almost called him Curtis. I don't know why. Chris Fishgold at seventy one hundred. Cater is the large favorite in this one. Of course, they closed. Best fight odds. Let's open that back up. I was looking for something to back me up in the last argument, and I kind of just moved past it. Cater's minus 250. That is thankfully closing from where it was. It opened up at some ridiculous number. Fish gold plus 230. That's, no, it held about firm. I thought Cater was around the minus 3, 350. Either way, it's still a little too wide for me. Cater, good boxing. Fish gold coming from Cage Warriors, making his UFC debut. The one thing he has is relentless grappling. If Chris disagrees with that, I, I might just hang up on this call. Um, really ugly striking to get to it, and that's where Cater is really good. Cater, good movement, great boxing. Closer fight than the line would indicate. I'm going to pick Cater, but I think Fishgold's actually alive to pull a major upset here. Uh, Chris? Yeah, no, I, I agree uh, with you on this. Just so to, to I want to save the call. I want to keep talking, so I, so I agree with you on this. Um, yeah, the, the line is kind of weird. I don't think Fishgold's any kind of world beater. Um, as you alluded to, his, his striking is basically just winging wild hooks, trying to get his opponent to the fence so that he can get a takedown. Um, but you know, uh, Cater. I mean, he does have the boxing, so you would expect him to be able to keep distance and maybe land a big counter there, and maybe he can. 
but he, he does tend to get hit a lot in his fights. And, um, you know, we haven't really seen him tested in wrestling. We saw him stop a couple takedowns from Andre Feely. I, I don't, I don't put too much. I mean, it's good that he did it, but I, I'm not, I'm not prepared to say that, you know, nobody can take him down because he stopped takedowns from Andre Feely. Um, I, I think that Fishgold is, is definitely live here. I mean, there's not a lot to his game, but I'll be curious to see if Qatar can keep him, keep himself at a safe distance and keep Fishgold off of him. But because Fishgold's going to come right after him, I think he, he's certainly live. Um, I'm actually going to pick Fishgold because I just think this is a question that Qatar needs to answer. And uh, so let's say uh, Fishgold by round two submission. Wow, that's 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 a pretty hot take, Joe. Well, it's interesting because usually when I hear like European wrestling, you know, it makes me cringe. I'm um, in mixed martial arts. I mean, you've got a UK fighter who who is very unique in the fact that he relies on wrestling and grappling to get the majority of his wins and not striking. It's very unusual for a UK fighter. Um, someone who I respect and who we've had um, as a guest. Um, before um, our, our good friend Newsom MMA, who did a killer pod this week with with Nana Fernanda. Wow, props there. Um, he actually picked. He said he has Cater as a top five featherweight, yet he still picked Fishgold to win this fight. So that had me kind of looking at Fishgold a little bit, and I'm thinking, you're right. Cater has never faced a wrestler, you know, a true wrestler in the UFC, right? I mean, you know, you can't take too much away from his loss to Moicano because we all know how good Moicano is. I mean, he essentially was a bad, a bad fight IQ moment away from beating Brian Ortega. Um, so, look, I, I am still going to pick the Boston finisher here um, just because I think he does have a real distinct advantage with his hands. And if, if Fishgold cannot get him down – if he cannot use his wrestling and grappling, if Qatar uh, has takedown defense, uh, I think it could be a bruising light for, for Fishold. Um, so I'm going to pick Qatar, but I think this is an interesting fight. I'm looking forward to it. All right, next up, Najrat Hakparas, 9,700, taking on Thibaut Gotti, 6,500. This is where we can make up a little bit of time, fellas. The line on this fight, Najrat Hakparas, is a... Minus 750 favorite, Tebow Gowdy, plus 600. I believe Gowdy's on a four-fight losing streak. I think three, but I'm not sure. He's been finished a bunch. Hack Press is a real-deal prospect. Um, th this is this could get real ugly. I got Hack Press by early KO. Yo? Yeah, so we got, you know, Kelvin Gastelum's doppelganger here. Um, uh, Kelvin Gastelum, <laughs> who eats properly. Yeah, we properly. Um, personal invitation by GSP to train in his invitation-only camp. A um, little bit of narrative there. Uh, yeah, I, I don't understand what the UFC is thinking here. He came off a very impressive win against an athletic prospect in Mark Diacase. Um, You know, this is a step down. I'm not sure I understand the matchmaking here. Um but, yeah, the only issue here is if this fight goes into the second round, we're probably not going to see takedowns. Um, you know, it's going to be striking. At 9.7K, you better get – so here's the thing. You want a first-round finish, but you want a, a first-round finish towards the end of the first round. I hate having to root for fights like that because if he takes them down with one punch, I mean, you know, yeah, not, you're not going to get 11-12X, right? So – you want to beat him a bit, and then towards the end of the first round, get the KO. So that's the only pause that I have from a DraftKings perspective with our good friend Hap here. Um, otherwise, look, Goody's got a puncher's chance. I mean, he's a tough guy. Throw him in a lineup if you're playing a bunch. But I think if you can afford him and if you could make your lineups work, you you got to put Hap in there. Absolutely, Chris. Yeah, I, I just have to. I just have to say one thing. Uh, he. Goody should have won that Sage North Coast fight. He did win that fight. But there you go. Yeah. Um, I, I, there are certain uh, fighters I would pick Goody against because he's like heart attack come forward and he really puts you on your heels. And uh, for a guy who doesn't have good lateral movement, uh, not good footwork, he could really trap you and then put you into some tough decisions. 
But um, this could really be a Chad LaPree situation where he just backs up, hits him with a counter hook, and knocks him out. I think Hapres is way too athletic. He's way too good of a striker. Uh, we saw Guti try to wrestle uh, Sage Northcutt in his last fight. Didn't go well. Uh, he didn't really seem to know what to do when he had him actually down. So, yeah, there's not there's not too much here. I, I just think Hapres is all around better, and I think he probably gets the finish. Yes, really not, not a need to dig too far into that fight. Let's move on to Nordine Taleb, 8,200, taking on Sean Strickland, 8,000. Interested, actually, the line on this fight I haven't looked in a little while because Strickland is a decent size. Well, he was a small dog early in the week. Small odds value, I think, on this at, at 8K. Oh, where the hell did it go? Why can I never find the odds for the fight I'm looking for? Minus 105 apiece. We are at a pick'em. I like Strickland here. I think Taleb is getting old at 30, at 38 years old. He also, um, yeah, the, the problem really is just that he's got a good jab, good wrestling. Um, I think it's more pass to victory. I'll let these guys take it away. Chris, we'll start with you guys. I will be right back. All right. Um, I actually think this is a, is a really good spot for Nordin Taleb, especially at that price. I think um, Nordin Taleb is a little different from a lot of Muay Thai strikers you see. We talked about uh, Don Mage earlier, how he stands in front. Taleb doesn't. Taleb's actually really good at sliding out of the way of strikes. Um, what I really see here, where I really like, is, um, is uh, Strickland holds his chin up really high, and um, Nordin Taleb likes to head kick. And I think that's mm-hmm. a pretty good, pretty good recipe here. Uh, we, even, we even saw that... Um, Court McGee was hitting uh, Sean Strickland with head kicks. He obviously got finished by a head kick from uh, Zaleski Dos Santos. And, you know, I, 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 really, I really see maybe a finish materializing. The problem with Strickland, if you like Strickland here, is he's not a finisher. He's, ba- he's what other people have called, and I quite like this term, he's basically he fights like he's sparring. He pops the jab in your face, moves away, pops the jab in your face, moves away. And that's about it. Uh, I, I, I really don't see him. The problem is he has to win all three rounds if he's going to win this. And I think, um, and I, I think um, he has a, a good shot of, get, of getting knocked out before that happens. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and take um, uh, Nordin Taleb. I remembered his name. There you go. I'm going to go ahead and take Nordin Taleb uh, possibly by second or third round finish. Yeah, I guess the way that I see this is, one, it's it's one of the closest fights on the card. I mean, there's a small amount of odds value in Strickland. Taleb is, you know, tri-star points fighter, longtime fighter. Um, you know, I, I'm glad you mentioned his kicks because that's one aspect to his game that could potentially give Strickland some trouble. Um, I think this is probably a better fight to bet than it would be to play on DraftKings because unless you do get that that kind of, Flash knockout. Um, I don't see a lot of points being scored in this fight. And I do think that your odds values play, players will gravitate towards Strickland. Now, truth be told, I'm going to pick Strickland here. And I have um, some parlays tied up uh, to Strickland in um, mm. you know, DraftKings, DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, I got some free bets and I, I put Strickland in some parlays. Um, but it's a very close fight. I mean, I could see it. I could see it going either way. I give the nod to Strickland. I think he's the younger guy. Uh, I don't think – I think his gas tank is better. Um, I'm going to say he wins a close decision. So you think he's just going to basically stick the jab in his face and point fight? Uh, you know, again, that, that's one of my concerns, right, because Taleb is a point – is a is a uh, uh, tri-star point fighter. So I could certainly see – we have one of those situations like we had with Tamor. You know, where the referee had to come in and say, guys, we got to fight here. You know, I'm afraid that we could see something like that. Um, I'm just, uh, I'm on Strickland here. Um, I just, I'm, you know, the age, the fact that I think he's got a slight speed advantage. Yes, he could get chewed up with kicks. Um, But I I think, you know, I've been hearing really good things coming out of his camp. um, And I'm going to give him the nod here. All right. And um, I will take over for the next fight since... Uh, Sean is still indisposed. So the next fight is, as I pull it up, um, Alex Garcia versus Court McGee. Garcia can be had for 8,500. Court McGee can be had for 7,700. I will give 
my pick later. But, Joe, I'm going to kick it to you first. Who do you like in this match? Yeah, this is interesting. You know, you've got, you know, a guy who has been alternating wins and losses recently, did not look his best against LaFleur. Um, pretty good hands, good wrestling. You know, everybody thought, you know, when he came up, he was going to be the next big thing. Another TriStar guy. Um, you know, he's got, he's so muscular that he tends to gas. So this is an interesting fight for GPPs because one thing that McGee does have, and what a lot of people don't realize is McGee actually beat Robert Whitaker at welterweight, which is, you know, boggles my mind. You know, he is only 33 years old, but his life is such that in, you know, in, in people years in dog years and drug years, he could be in his fifties. Um, so what he does have though, is a lot of cardio, you know, he can grind you out. So if McGee can survive, you know, an early onslaught by Garcia, um, he can make this interesting. I think this is kind of an interesting fight. However, you know, if Garcia goes out and, and bum rushes him and slams him down, he's got a power wrestling game. He's got good hands. If he could work McGee early, I can see him getting an early finish, which is why I think this is kind of an interesting fight for, um, for, for you know, for, for GPPs because you could get it. It's not inconceivable. You can get an early finish by Garcia um, at, at his price. What is he, 8.6? Um, he is uh, 8.5. 8.5. And, you know, if, if, if you want to go the other way, you could get kind of a grindy grappling-based decision out of Court McGee. So I think this could be a very interesting mid-range fight um, to play. I, I won't go as far to say target. Um, because there's certainly some risk, and you know, you never know what you're going to get out of Garcia. But I think this could be an interesting GPP fight. My yeah, pick is I, Garcia. Well, I agree with you about uh, Court's uh, stamina. I actually, actually, remember a while back that they were doing like a profile on him, and and he does something very interesting. He gets himself he gets himself tired, and then he grapples because he wants to know what it feels like when he's in there tired and grappling. So yeah, he can go for days. Um, and he's got a, he's got a pressuring boxing style on the feet. Um, he likes to work body head, which I like. But the the, the reason I give the the uh, not to Garcia here is because I think the wrestling is going to play. And I think uh, your point um, about Garcia gassing is noted. But I actually think he's been better um, in the last couple of fights. Uh, the Lafleur the Lafleur the, 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 the fight fight uh, easy for me to say. The LaFleur fight, he grappled a lot, didn't really seem to get tired. Um, his fight before that, who was against who? Was against, uh, oh, uh, King Kung Fu, Muslim Salikov. He, he grappled a lot in that fight as well. Uh, welcome back, Sean. Uh, back. Where, where, where are we at? What, what giving, fight did I miss? Chris is giving his pick now on Garcia, Court McGee. If it's not Garcia, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> it's Garcia, it's Garcia. But, but uh yeah so i think he wrestled uh salikoff a lot and and ended up finishing him there he didn't look tired in that fight in the second round i actually think there's an argument to be made that his gas tank is getting better on on the feet there's not too much to see uh, he's a big overhand right and if he and if he can actually go into sleep um but if not it's going to be a boring fight but i think he can use his wrestling here um court mcgee um is a wrestler himself but um, can get taken down. I think Alex Garcia is going to be stronger. And uh, Court McGee is a tough dude, as I said. Um, so it might be tough to get a finish here, which which might um, steer you away in cash. But uh, I don't know. I, I, ju I just like Alex Garcia to, to sort of dominate the wrestling, and I, I think that's the way it's going to go. Right. I, I'm also obviously picking Garcia. Um, uh, Benjamin McGee coming off that torn labrum is one of the biggest red flags for me in the fight. That's a good point. I didn't even mention that. Yeah. That's a good point. All right. Next up, Jean Vellante, 9,000, taking on Ed Herman, 7,300. I can't believe we had to pay 9,000 for Jean Vellante, but for, I, I can't swear on this podcast. He's actually in play at that price, and it's really, really, really upsetting to me. Uh, minus 230. Plus 210 is the comeback on Herman. Look, both these guys aren't very good. This could be really sloppy and boring in that they could both gas out and just throw awful punches at them at each other in the third round. 
Ultimately, I do think Volante is a little better. Herman, a long layoff. He's dealing with injuries, that gruesome finger injury. Um, he's closer to being done for me than Volante, who at least has been shown, you know, he's shown some durability. So give me Jean Volante in a GPP special fight. Um, since Chris ended the last fight, I'm just going to assume he's going to lead us off here. Yes, you are correct, sir. And um, I... <laughs> This is this is so uh, this is brutal for me. I I can't oh, pick John. Everyone. I can't pick John Volante to win a fight. I'm sorry. I get it. I, I understand. I understand. I, I um I I just think uh, look John Volante is um you know it's funny because he he's a pressure fighter and usually when you say that he's either a pressure striker or a pressure counterfighter but John Volante is not really either of those things. He just sort of pressures and then that's it and lets the opponent strike. Every once in a while, he'll come with an overhand right or a one-two. And, and that's basically it. The reason Pat Cummins was able to beat him so soundly was because Pat Cummins uh, um, figured out that if I just duck under, I can I can counter, and he's not going to do anything. There's not very many um, fighters more limited than John Volante. He threw, he threw some kicks in the Sam Alvey fight. Um, I'm guessing that was because he thought maybe the head kick was there because, <laughs> because Sam keeps his hands so low. Um, I, I've never really seen him throw that many kicks before, or at least not in a long time. I think I, he's basically just an overhand right and sometimes a one-two. And I think that, I mean, Ed Herman is, I mean, he's so wide open. He gets hit hard in every single fight. I understand this. But he also, um, you know, he's a good pressure fighter. Um, you know, he's got he's got good accurate hooks when he actually throws them for how wild he throws them. He's good in the clinch. We saw him finish Tim Boach there. If he does get a takedown, he's got he's got good top jujitsu. Um, yeah, look, um, with the, with the acknowledgement that either one of these fighters could go at any minute, I'm gonna take the dog here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say Herman by knockout. Ooh. All right. I mean, wow. whatever, Joe. Yeah. Well, uh, look, there's not a you know, Gelante at nine k. I mean, we're not talking a high fight IQ here. I mean, this is a guy who. When his SO told him she was having triplets, he demanded to know who the other two guys were. I mean, you know, this is not a real not smart done. guy. I mean, you know, I, I don't, I, it's hard. For, look, I mean, are we going to get like the Ed Herman who finished Foch a few years ago? He's, I mean, you know, do I pick Ed Herman by a nine-finger go-go choke? Um, you know, what do I do? The guy's a finger short. Does, does that mean he, could, he can't grip anymore? I don't know. Look, I hate to do this. I'm going to – this is going to be a, a pork chop for me. But I got to pick – I got to pick Volante here. I, I, I can't pick Herman. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be underway to him. If Look, if he beats me in DraftKings at 9K, more power to him. I will have a few shares of the fight, but it's hard for me to back him. Yeah. All right, next up, Andre, even worse fight IQ than Jean Volante, Sukumta, 8,600. Taking on Jonathan Martinez at 7,600. Short notice fight for Martinez. Sukumta, if you don't know what I'm referring to, it's the fact that he once knocked an opponent down three times in a fight and got a draw because he refused to go for a finish and then just had to stand up um, and get a TKO win against Sean O'Malley who just tore his foot up and grappled with him for I couldn't tell you what reason. Uh, Sukumta, by the way, Obviously, is the favorite in this fight minus 150, plus 140 for Martinez. These guys are going to stand and trade. It should be a really fun fight. Ultimately, I do think Sukumta is the more polished striker. Should also be a little bit bigger in this fight um, for what it's worth. This is at 135. Um, yeah, give me Andre Sukumta, 8600. Joe? Yeah, again, look. Um... Martinez, by the way, it's not really a short notice fight for him in the sense that he was training for a fight that he was supposed to have about a week ago. Um, my, my biggest issue is that, one, he's only been training for about four years, Martinez. Um, Sukumtath will have a size and athleticism advantage. Um, definitely more experience, better technical striker. Uh, it's just hard. Um, it's just hard to be overly confident in a guy who, I think his only his only win in the UFC is what against Luke Sanders, right? Who is also no Mensa candidate. Um, so I'm gonna pick. It's gonna kill me, but I'm gonna pick Sukumtath here. Chris, 
Yeah, um, back to back. Sukumtai is another guy I, I can't pick to win a fight. In the I know. UFC. He's just – my problem with him, I mean, he's a good technical boxer, but he's just so passive. He he just lets his opponent dictate the fight. I'm, going into that Sean O'Malley fight, I was stunned by how many people were actually picking Sukumtai, and, and O'Malley just did what everybody does to him, which is walk him down and basically have his way. Sukumtai came forward a little bit at, in the third round because he, he knew he needed to. Um, well, you know, you know, he could have won that fight by simply asking for the stand-up. By standing up, yeah, yeah he could have won the fight. His corner was screaming, like I don't know what language they were screaming in, but all he had to do was ask for that fight to be stood up, and it's over. Now, in all fairness, he he had just gotten hit before that, so he might have been rocked. We don't know, you know, whatever. Suffice to say, you, you know, th there might be some questions there, but. Um, you know, he's a counterpuncher. He's a counterpuncher with some power, but he just allows himself to get led in. And Jonathan Martinez has got a good kicking game. And if Sukumta tries to try his wrestling, he's got a good game off his back. In fact, the first two fights I saw uh, from Martinez were subs off his back. I think they're his, his um, two most recent ones. He also has a really uh, ridiculous blatant head kick uh, or head knee DQ when he fought Matt Schnell, who was probably his toughest opponent to this one. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, it sounds weird because even the tape that's there on Martinez isn't much. But to, for me, it's enough. I don't know. I'm taking Martinez for the win here. All right, let's get down to business. Misha Serkinov, 9,300, taking on Patrick Cummings at 6,900. Serkinov, minus 320. Cummings, the comeback on him is plus 290. I like, I like Patrick Cummings to pull off. Big upset here, plus 290. My reasoning is that Misha Serkinov, really his defensive wrestling is not good. I remember when he was taken down by Nikita Krylov, he got a wonky, was knocked out really just oddly against Volkan Ozdemir, which, by the way, he was a minus 260 favorite in that fight. It opened at minus 260. It closed at minus 550. He was a huge favorite and got knocked out there. Then against Glover, couldn't stop a takedown. And he got, and, and he got, um, I think that was the ground and pound KO. Patrick Cummings, I know, just got out grappled by Corey Anderson. I still think Cummings is the better wrestler than Misha Serkinov. I think that's what he needs to have. Also, I think Serkinov will slow down. We've seen Cummings show heart, move forward. Uh, so I'm not saying go on in this play, but I like it. There was a pick em fight at minus 110. There's no way I would bet it, obviously, but I still think my pick to win the fight, I would lean Patrick Cummings. I do not like what I've seen from Misha Serkinov at all. His UFC wins, by the way, um, Daniel Jolly, Alex Nicholson. He beat Krylov, didn't he? Krylov, but Krylov, Krylov look, nearly as good considering what Blankowitz did to right. Krylov. And so, look, I just have I have serious problems at with Misha Serkinov, and you, you take into account the price sixty nine hundred. Sign me up. Chris, I'm taking you a roll this week. We talked about this in the open. I'm going a little off the rails here. You going to join me? Come on, come over. No, you're, you're 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 in outer space somewhere. Stop it. Look, I now can't. You know how I usually feel. <laughs> I think I I said uh, look. I, I mentioned the Pat Cummins John Vellante fight before. The the only the only one more limited in a stand up than uh, Pat Cummins is John Vellante, and that's why Cummins won. Um. There's one big adjustment that Corey Anderson had to make to deal with Pat Cummins' uh, stand-up, and it was throw an uppercut because all Pat Cummins ever does is dip in with and then try to throw like uh, an overhand or a straight punch. It's terrible. It gets him tagged every single time. Uh, Sirkinov has good straight punches. He's got a good kicking game. Uh, uh, Cummins hasn't even shown himself to be that successful of a wrestler in the octagon of late. I, and even if he does take him down, I mean, let's not forget that that sub that he got off Shukinov was off his back. It was a guillotine. He had rocked him first, but, I mean, who's to say that can't happen here? It certainly can. Um, yeah, look, I like Patrick Cummins. I think he's got a lot of heart. I like watching him fight, and I like rooting for him. But um, he's he's a punching bag, and uh, I, I can't pick a punching bag, so I'm going with Misha Serkinov. This punching bag is about to – I'll grapple circling. I'm just trying to stir up trouble here. Joe? 
Well, okay. So look, I, there, there are there are I, I see both sides of this, right? Um, there is some some strong narrative that says fade Serkinov. However, there's some more recent narrative um, on Serkinov. He has finally gotten off his ass and moved out of his no-name single-person camp in Canada to Las Vegas, taking advantage of the PI, training at Extreme Couture. Um, he has finally got guys to practice with. I mean, his growth is was retarded. I mean, I still don't understand. It, it looked like, you know, Oktomir barely touched him and he went down. Um, however, you know, I've got to – oh, I'm going to give him one more chance here. There you um, go. I think, look, I think this is a guy that the UFC is invested in. Um, I like the, the, the camp change. I think it's long overdue. Um, I see Sean's side, 6.9K, very attractive, um, better wrestler. I, I got I to gotta give him one more shot here. I mean, again, I, I don't think I'm going to be so heavy on this fight, but um, I got to give him one more shot. I'll, I'll break the tie with uh, Serkinov. All right, let's move on to our co-main event of the evening. Evening, Michael Johnson, 9,500, taking on Artem Lobov, 6,700. Johnson, the big favorite. He missed weight by one pound. <coughs> Artem Lobov says he's going to give him his 20% back. Class move. Which is, which is nice. Johnson, minus 575. Lobov, plus 485. Um, we all wanted to see Lobov to Kagoff, but we have Lobov Johnson. Look, for me, the only way Lobov wins this fight is he lets Johnson, well, not lets, he gets the crap beat out of him for a round, round and a half, and Johnson gasses out, similar to the Gaethje fight. That's the way I see this going down. Johnson, big weight cut. Um, clearly, clearly tried to make the weight. Also, you know, we've seen Johnson fade before, and we've seen Lobov's toughness. It's not out of the realm of possibilities. That being said, it's hard not to take Michael Johnson here in, in a striking match. His... his his weaknesses are grappling and cardio. The cardio could be exploited, but he hits so damn hard. I have a hard time seeing Johnson not winning this fight outside of that, you know, empties the gas tank against Lobov kind of scenario. Uh, Joe? Look, I mean, you know, this all of his, all of Johnson's marquee wins are at lightweight. We should we should get that out of the way. This is only his second fight at featherweight, um, and he came within one pound of making weight. Props, kudos. Um you know, I'm a little concerned about, you know, I'd rather have a guy miss by a lot than a little, um, you know, especially on a short notice fight. Uh, he has, he's going to have such a hand speed advantage and get this. Lobov is definitely the tack, the pterodactyl arm kid. Johnson's going to have an eight inch reach advantage here, right? With his hand speed and his power. Um, my only concern is to your point, Sean, is that if this drags on, Johnson gets a little tired. I don't know it's good, that it's going to be enough for, for Lobov to win, but not getting the finish at his price um, and, and not using wrestling all that much and getting takedowns. I mean, just standing and striking. Now, we saw when he fought Cub Swanson, there was a lot of strikes that were exchanged in that fight, and that actually ended up being a pretty good fight to stack, if I can remember. Um, so... There's that possibility, but um, I, I have to pick Johnson here. I I can't. I mean, I, I'd say tread with caution because if he doesn't get the relatively early finish, it could he could get tired and it could, you know, be a relatively low scoring decision because I don't see how much he's going to allow uh, Loboff to hit him um, with that eight inch reach advantage. But um, my pick is Johnson. Chris. Yeah, boy, I, I didn't even realize it really until we're going through. But there are some profoundly weird uh, matchmaking. On no this card. shit. I know that I know this one is sort of a special circumstance because. Right. But I mean, boy, look, I, I have none of the concerns you guys are, are speaking of. Um, the only concern I might have is if he doesn't get the finish because Lobov's tough. But as far as Lobov winning the fight, I, I just can't even imagine it. I mean, the reach you mentioned, the hand speed you mentioned going to be the hardest puncher he's ever he's ever fought to what Lobov does is basically a very 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 worse version of what Justin Gaethje tries to do which is pressure you pressure you pressure you and use those leg kicks and he tries to draw out counters like his buddy Conor McGregor but of course he is not Conor McGregor um I think I think this is probably the worst matchup imaginable for somebody like Lobov 
And I think Jonathan's going to dominate him. The only thing you have to decide for yourself as a DK player is if he will get the money. No, the worst the worst matchup was um, Tukakov. This is actually a better matchup for Lobov. <laughs> I don't know about that. Maybe. You know about that. I, I, I do. They're not doing him any favors. Tukakov would have taken him down and just beaten the ever-living piss out of him. At least, at least here I see a path to victory. Wow. All right, you're walking the path alone, I think. But no, I wouldn't. I'm not picking him here. I'm still picking Johnson. Let's make that very clear. I just, I have, I, I actually have an easier time seeing it than I did against Tukagov. Anyway, mm-hmm. Vulcan Ozdemir, 8,400, taking on Anthony Lionheart Smith, 7,800. A couple things to talk about here. Uh, the line on this fight, by the way, Ozdemir minus 160, Anthony Smith plus 150. Couple things I want to address. Uh, first, we give fight picks each, and then how do we play this on DraftKings, which is what we're here for. I see a lot of people putting a lot of money on Volkan Ozdemir, and I think you're out of your friggin' mind. Ooh. Um, I'm picking Anthony Smith to win the fight. I'm not. I'm. I'm not overly confident. Where I'm going to go bet four or five units on it, but for the love of God, guys, Ozdemir has two of the weirdest knockouts you're going to see. Anthony Smith has at least shown toughness. We've seen holes in Ozdemir's game. I understand picking Ozdemir. I get it. I guess I, I, I know Smith isn't a world beater and light heavyweight is just really weak. I just, to say this guy's a lock at, at these odds, I just, I, I can't quite get there. Um, Smith can wrestle if he wants to. Ozdemir, I don't think he has this ungodly power. I think there's a couple of weird knockouts. He had the weird one against Serkinov up against the cage, you know, the one against Manoa, I think, um, uh, you brought up Newsom earlier. Um, he mentioned his podcast. And it was a great point. I went back and rewatched it at lunch today. Manoa's head bounces off the canvas in the knockout, and I, I kind of think that was the biggest part of that is the way it could have been a flash knockdown, and Manoa's head hit the ground, and that put him out. Um, I don't think Ozdemir has some kind of ungodly power. I think he is – the more overrated of these two guys. I know Smith is coming off wins over deteriorated, deteriorated legends. He hung in there against Thiago Santos. He's a tough dude. He's actually bigger than, than Ozdemir, if, if, if I saw right, which is freaking bizarre because Smith used to cut to 185, which is craziness. Um, I like Smith to win a close fight. That's my pick in terms of I think the stack is in play. I'm bouncing back and forth whether it's a stack or not. It comes down to how confident I am in my other fight versus this fight. I, I'm the stack isn't quite. I haven't made a final decision where I'm going to go with it. And in GPPs, um, obviously target both sides. The UFC is building this up as, you know, 22 seconds fastest knockout for Smith versus 15 for Ozdemir. Light heavyweights. One of these guys at this price likely ends up in the optimal lineup, especially the way they both usually fight. So. That's the, that's how I'm breaking down those three components. Let's start with Chris for this one. Yeah, I, it, it's just so weird to me to see uh, Anthony Smith in this position. I remember not too long ago, people weren't sure if he would beat Elvis Sinisek. And light uh, heavyweight man, light heavyweight. No, I know, I understand. Which 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 is another funny thing because you know we just we just saw him lose to Thiago Santos at middle right now. Right now Santos is at, at uh, light heavyweight, so we'll see. But um, yeah, I, 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 um, I know that I know that uh, Anthony Smith can do it. We saw him actually counterpunch better in that uh, in that Shogun Hua fight, but um, Ozdemir is going to be a lot faster than uh, Shogun Hua was. Ozdemir is going to really crowd him. He's going to really take that range away. Um, o- I mean, o- Ozdemir does uh, sw- swing wild punches some, so um, it's not impossible that Anthony Smith catches him with a counter somewhere. And it's also not impossible that he get that uh, Ozdemir gasses out because he even looked a little tired after that first burst in the uh, Cormier fight. Like the second half of that round, he was looking a little tired. That might have been a conscious decision to pull back uh, to maybe, um, you know, conserve himself, but uh, be as it may. Um, I, I got to pick Ozdemir here because I, I just I just don't think that uh, Anthony Smith um, is going to is gonna, – you know, get the fight he wants where it's either going to be at range or in the clinch. I think, I think Ozdemir is good in the clinch. I think he's strong there. Um, he was kind of pushing around DC in the clinch for a minute there. 
Um, so I do think he's strong. And I, I just think, um, you know, unless he gasses out, which is a real possibility, I just think the pressure and the power is going to be too much, and he's got no time. So how about how about cash games versus GPPs? Let's, let's do a little DraftKings specific break breakdown here. All right. Um, yeah, you know what? I I think that. Um, geez, I, I I don't know. I think that uh, Smith Smith might be safe in in cash. I I guess because he's a tough dude, as you said, and um, you know. He's got a knack for late finishes. Even if he doesn't get get finishes, he might go to war. So he, he could, um, you know, he could get you a lot of points even in a in a loss. So he might have a good floor in that sense. Um, Uzdemir might be, you know, a little tough in cash just because, as I said, you know, he's he's shown signs that he might gas, and uh, we don't know that for sure. But it, it sure looked like that to me. So I, I would say Uzdemir is, is your better GPP play, even if even if I like him to win the fight. Joe? Wow. Um, the only thing I know for certain about Anthony Smith is that he should be on trial for elder abuse, um, which constitutes his two wins at light heavyweight. Um, I love, 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 love Volkan at 8.4K. It is either the strong, my strongest play on the card or one of my strongest plays on the card. I'll be overweight to him in GPPs. The inside to distance prop is really good um, on this fight. Um, I will have a few shares. Of, of Anthony Smith because anything can happen. Um, I, I just, I, I just love Ozdemir here. I think if he's minus one sixty now, that's a steal. Is, um, are you just fading Anthony Smith, or what have you? I, I haven't seen anything in Ozdemir. I, I think it's a combination of, um, you know, other than Daniel Cormier. I mean, he's won his UFC fights. He took that short notice fight against OSP and won, even though it was close. Um, I just, I, to me, Anthony Smith, look, I love the guy, right? He just, you know, beating, you know, two guys who are severely diminished and, and saying that might be an understatement. Um, he hasn't proven anything yet at, at light heavyweight, right? So I, I see the quality of the competition better. I see the powers being better. I just think this is a steal at minus 160. I think he should be a minus... 250 to 300 favorite in this fight. If I was setting the line, that's what I would make it at. So I am all in on Vulcan here. I will have a few shares of, of Anthony Smith just because I, I am not playing any cash this week. So I should say that right off the bat. I am. Uh, that's why I would not stack this fight because I'm not, I see this as a GPP card. I see lots of variants. Um, I will have a few shares of Anthony Smith, but I am going to be more highly weighted at 8.4K to Vulcan. I, I think I'm in a little bit of trouble. I wouldn't. Go, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go that far as uh, minus three hundred. But I will say that Anthony Smith has a tendency to be losing fights until he wins them. That includes his fight against uh, Hector Lombard, and you just don't want to be betting against betting with, I should say, a guy who wins like that that frequently. Because eventually, the worm's going to turn. I mean, winner of five of his last six. But I, I hear what you're saying. I just we'll see. And you know what? All six of his. Yeah, six straight fights that have ended by knockout. He's got five of them. He was knocked out by Tiago Santos. So that's that's interesting. It definitely is is a GPP fight and card. Um, all right, let's go to hot takes. Let's wrap it up. Did mine earlier. Kalita Bernardo by a first round submission. I'm going to call a rear naked choke. Okay, this is going to okay. be this is going to be strange because I probably have picked more favorites than underdogs um, here, but I have a sneaking suspicion that there will be more dogs winning than favorites on this card just because of the variance that I see. Although, again, that does run somewhat counterintuitive to me selecting favorites. There are a lot, a lot of my picks are lukewarm. I should say that right off the top. There's a few people that I'm confident in, but a vast number of these fights I could see going either way. Um, so uh, my hot take is going to be uh, dogs seven, favorites six. Chris, uh, I had a couple to choose from, but I think it might be fun to uh, go up against you directly. So I'm going to say uh, Sarah Mares by second round triangle choke. No, no way. Absolutely. I would be stunned. Absolutely. All right. Those are the hot takes. This is, that's it for Fight IQ for USC at Moncton. 
UFC 230 coming up next. Make sure and click on the subscribe button on, on YouTube. Thumbs up the video. If you're watching, if you're listening after the fact, subscribe on iTunes and then jump over and subscribe to Rotowire on YouTube. Make sure to go to rotowire.com slash free, 10-day free trial, no credit card required, checking out all their premium content. You know you have all our info. Contact us on Twitter. Follow us. Ask us any questions. Guys, good luck in your contest. Everybody watching, we appreciate you. And we will we will have some news next week, but Sean and I will be live tweeting from UFC 230. Um, we, will share, we will share the deets uh, next Friday when we do the pod, but we will be live tweeting from UFC 230 at MSG. Fuck yes. I know I shouldn't have swore just there, but that's how excited, <laughs> that's how excited I am. My yeah. apologies if anyone's offended, but I <laughs> am going to go watch Mr. Hotball's take on the champ champ. Oh, yeah. All right. Guys, take care. We'll see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.